We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Uh, we're recording after series sweep or getting swept by the Cardinals. I'm used. To, I was used to saying series sweep by the Yankees. Now, for the past month and a half, not so much. Scott, what's going on this morning? What's up? Yeah, the uh, it, it, it rings a little differently when you actually get swept rather than sweeping the other the other team. We got away from winning series, and look look at us now. <laughs> we have. You know, a, a, a bad record really in July compared to the rest of the season. We're getting passed in the in the uh, in the records. We're it's it's uh, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. We got to get this team to gel now that there's a bunch of new people. But not happening yet. Not not at all. Especially on the pitching side. Well, yeah, it's like we were we talked about how the trade deadline was actually coming at a great time. I think you went on a nice little rant about that where get your slumps out now right like show all your warts before the trade deadline so brian cashman can show us where you suck and i still said (laughs) yeah i i still think he did a good job at doing that right like added a left fielder who makes contact and doesn't strike out great added a what should be a top flight starting pitcher great added a couple bullpen arms in a bullpen that had been thin due to underperformances and injuries great just hasn't that hasn't materialized yet. I mean, it's only been a week since the trade deadline, so pump the brakes on everyone calling Montes a bust, bust and Benintendi a bust and all this stuff. But it's been 40 plus games of this team playing pretty mediocre baseball. And to me, that's what's more concerning than okay, yeah, maybe Benintendi hasn't got off to such a hot start and Montes had a bad first start. Yeah, I I think that's exactly it. I'm starting to get I'm starting to get to the point here, like you said, 40 games 
becoming a, a enough of a sample to be like, okay, what's going on here? Enough of a sample where they're struggling for me to start getting much more annoyed by Aaron Boone. You know when that that like lever starts going like, okay, you have a tolerance for him, tolerance for him, zero tolerance for him. The tolerance is getting much less for Aaron Boone. <laughs> and just like yesterday when he gets thrown out of the game, I'm like, you know what? The guy, the guy was awful for both sides all day, all day. Just, just terrible, not missing, missing calls left and right. But it was for both sides. It wasn't just for your team. I'm like, what, I guess we don't need our manager in a, in a game where they're about to get swept when it's close. You know, I guess you mean nothing because that's basically what this is. Like, there's no reason to get tossed in that game. Everybody's, everybody's pissed off. It, it, it just, it started to annoy me. I'm like, okay, now, now the, the leadership of the team is not there in a, in a, in a game where we're looking to get swept by by the St. Louis Cardinals on the road. It was just for whatever reason it bo- that one bothered me a little bit because of the uh the situation and where the team is right now. I don't know if that bothered <laughs> me. I, I think what he's trying to do there is fire his team up because in that inning specifically the Marwin Gonzalez call yeah, it was egregious. completely changed. It was egregious. That completely changed the inning and potentially the game, right? Because you're talking about um a walk there, and then it, assuming the next two things happen, DJ gets out and Judge gets the double off the wall. Like it, it could could have been a, a very different inning. Your point about the umpire just being awful for both sides stands, but I don't have a problem with Boone going out there and and voicing his frustration and maybe trying to fire his team up. I don't think Boone is going to do anything more from the dugout versus the clubhouse in a game like that. So I don't really care. I mean, it's certainly not as annoying as when he got thrown out with two outs in the ninth inning last year when the team's getting like blown out by eight runs. Like it's not that egregious of a of a get tossed out of a game situation. But it's just the umpires, nothing ever changes. No. So yeah, go ahead. Keep keep going out there and yelling at the umpires. Guess what? Tomorrow they're gonna suck. That's my my point is more to the point that like it's starting little boon boonisms are starting to annoy me. And you just know that because that's happening, other things are not going well. <laughs> and that's, it's more of a, a, a gauge on, on what's happening during the season. Cause when, when the Yankees were playing well, even if he screwed up, he's like, you know what? We'll give him a leash They're They're playing well. He's doing his thing. Maybe he's figuring things out. And now, and now we're looking at a 500 team essentially. And I'm like, you know what? This guy, an idiot. <laughs> he's a, he's an absolute moron. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned judge on that. He was clutch, man. He was clutch in that game. He had came up with a, a few different clutch it's situations clutch all year, just freaking nails. So good to see that that's consistent. It's just, he's such a constant man. And it's such a big deal after Soto, just taking a landscape of everything. If the Yankees don't resign him, it's going to be one of the, it's going to be one of the worst, uh, off season baffles in, in Yankees history. It really will be. I had a nice, fun text conversation with Neil Keefe, our our buddy Neil Keefe yesterday, yeah. right? Like a, a text conversation with Neil is always just going to bring joy oh, to, your, to your heart. So it's it started because I saw him interacting on Twitter about how the math says that the AL East is wrapped up and everything. He's not worried about it. So we were just then texting back and forth. And I'm like, well, what does the math say about a first round playoff exit? And he's like, 100%. I'm like, great. 
Judge is going to hit 66 bombs this year, and then he's going to sign in San Francisco in free agency. It's going to be such a, after our Yankees first round exit, it's going to be just so, so fun to watch the, the first round exit in October with the way. So Neil Keefe is saying that the math says that the, the division is wrapped up at this point. Is that, that's what he's saying? That's what you he know says. What? That doesn't that's make me says. feel good. I mean, probably the most, <laughs> one of the most, you know, glass half empty fans I've ever met in my life, looking at the things in a, in a very critical way saying that we're good and got it wrapped up. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. I, I feel like that is a bad sign. That is a bad sign. Who cares though? Who cares if if the math says that the that the the Yankees have the division wrapped up? Like, yeah, I think they're going to win the division because they were out to such a huge lead. I don't want them limping to the division though and playing like crap entering October because guess what? It will be a first round playoff exit and I don't think you really give two flying craps about a, a AL East crown. I certainly don't. I want a World Series championship. And that's what we think, thought this team was after watching them in the first half of the season. And now after seeing them for the last month and a half of baseball, they're not anywhere close to a, a championship team. Like nothing has been going right for, for the Yankees over the past month plus. They're, they're honestly lucky to have the record they, they are with how inconsistent every aspect of this team has been. And you talked about how, oh, I'm starting to get frustrated with some of the the moves that Boone was making. We're just getting he didn't angry. Seem to do anything. He didn't seem to do anything wrong in the first half. You know what? It's pretty easy to manage a baseball game when your starting pitching goes out there and pitches seven innings and gives up one run every night because that's pretty much what happened in the first well, two months true. of the season. That's not true. They had more of those, no doubt about it, but there was also the the leash by him was was there too. There were He allowed them to struggle and allowed them to get through that because of those good ones. Struggle. Well, because... Not struggle like we've not seen. Not like we've seen. Of course not. But but there were, okay, there were so times now what where he's, he had now a what longer leash because of some of the success. Did. So, I mean... Yeah. Fine. But you can do that when you have fi- you had five... Of consi- course you can. Wasn't there a stat... Wasn't there a stat where the Yankees like set some sort of record for for number of games played fi- by only using five starting pitchers this sure. year? For this like, argument, let's say they there had, was... Right. There was insane consistency out of the starting rotation. So even if one guy struggled, the next four would be good. And that allows you to give a leash to some guy and let Tyon battle through something or let Montgomery, when he was still in pinstripes, battle through something. Right now, every single night, it feels like the Yankees starting pitching is battling to get through four innings. And what that does, it, it puts bullpen arms in positions they just were not in in the first two months of the season. More decisions have to be made. So when you add, I feel like we talked about this at nauseum in 2018 and 2019, where, yes, you have all these elite arms in the bullpen, but when you have to make four or even five correct decisions in a game and all five of those pitchers need to be on their A game, that's just more variables for one thing to go wrong. This team And, is not- and that's what we're seeing. Right now, yes, but this team is not set up for that in theory. When you're looking at what what the team is built for right now, that that is actually not the case. Bringing over Montas, uh, having Cole, you know Severino potentially healthy, and even Nestor Cortez, the, the team the team is still built on uh, you know starting pitching and having a go bullpen. It's not like they don't have good starting pitching in theory. They do. They have they have you know what I know mailbag. Coming in is not is not calling him an ace, but what you have is your your number one, Garrett Cole. Montas, I know, got off to a rough start, but that's not <clears throat> who he is. The guy was off for I think eleven days, 
had a was on a bereavement list, uh, you know, before coming in. There were some things there. Like, there's a human element there. I, I'm giving him a, a, a pass on that uh, on that start. I want to see him in the next one. But you have a, a solid one too with Nestor Cortez, who's been obviously damn good in the first half, but but still been very good um, overall in the season. So it's not like he's going to have to make that on a daily basis like it was two years ago. This is this is a different team. This is a team that is built differently. And yes, I got frustrated and I calling it a slump. But because I'm trying not to go into the depths of hell with my mind uh, and and how where this team is going because of the trend. You, but, don't, you don't want me to bring you down. <laughs> no, I'm really trying to stay afloat. I'm trying to stay afloat. I'm, I'm, it's like almost to a point where I, I'm, I'm going to get the straw out. But the, you know, the team is set up and Ben Attendee, I am not worried about. You, you saw him coming around. Uh, even when he was struggling in the first few games as a Yankee, he was walking. Uh, but you're starting to see him swing a bat uh, well. And the the two guys in the bullpen, Trevino, I, I don't know about him. You know, I could see him potentially being DFA'd at some point in the next month. But uh, the the other the other kid from Chicago, you know, in, has good splits. He just not 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 coming over and uh, and performing all that great so far. Got to get let this team like settle, let the dust settle, let everything settle settle down for a week or two. See where we are. The problem with that is that. You know, now the division's on. Oh, now you're saying another week or two, so we're gonna have like a sample of sixty games. No, I'm just I'm at a I'm at a I'm at a, I'm at this point, and now I'm gonna be at a different point in two weeks. Let's see where we are in two weeks. That's all I'm saying. I'm just I'm at this point right now, and and I'm and it's starting to get frustrating. And I, now I need to give it a little bit longer to see if the frustration can settle down, or if it becomes an all out you know spasm, and I just just start to start to freak out about the way the team is playing, and blame Boom for everything. So, so what you're saying is that if in two weeks from now we're talking about the same sort of play, you'll have an all-out oh, spasm? Yes. There, I may have a heart attack on the on the podcast. All right. Well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. No, I'm not overreacting to Montes' first game. Okay, like I'm not. I'm not one of these. You know, people. Like I understand the situation and the human element that he was put in. Yeah, he was on the bereavement. He was on bereavement leave. He was off for 11 days. He's coming in. It's like 7 million degrees in, in St. Louis. And, and it's a tough spot in your first, you're trying to make a, make a good first impression and it just didn't happen. And also, you know, maybe the umpire played a factor there as well. But if his next couple starts struggle as well, it's like, okay, now, now, now we're talking about something. Same with Ben Intendi. Has not had a first good 10, 10 days as a Yankee. I'm confident he will turn it around. But what about the rest of the team that has not that has been here the whole season and has been struggling for two months? Like what what about that? And, and, and it's glaringly obvious what this offense is without Rizzo in there. And I mean, I guess Stan as well, but like particularly I feel like the the absence of Rizzo over the weekend was glaring. Well, yeah, because you know, Judge Judge is, is also getting walked in situations. Uh, depending on who's behind him, you 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 can't really make them pay. The, the it, it, you have Stanton and Rizzo out of this lineup. Like, don't forget, and they still put up 16 hits on Sunday and lost the game. I mean, DJ LeMayu is back to you know form that that we saw a few years ago. The guy's just doing everything, including playing a damn good first base. So. You're not necessarily feeling Rizzo as much uh, on the field because of that. You're just feeling the the lack of another bat behind Judge, so that he can, you know, be set up for for some fastballs over the plate or some uh, some cookies over the plate because of who's behind him. It can make him pay. Logan, oh, lost you, man. The um, but th- that's the biggest thing. So when you look at the, what this lineup is, there is a 
you know, they're still they're still there. I'm not worried about the offense. Uh, Benintendi had a, a two hits. You know, he's still what 305 on the season, and he's been walking even when he's not hitting. So I, I'm not really overly concerned. Hicks is the one that you look at, and and considering Bader was the you know the the guy uh, around the, the the biggest trade that everybody has the most. Um, skepticism about, rightfully so, because Montgomery came out and threw five shutout innings against us. Even he got three hits the other day, but went for what over thirty-two slide. Like he's been really struggling. And even those three hits, they were, you know, they weren't, they weren't numbers uh, off the end of the bat. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't necessarily lasers. Yeah, and you also saw Glaber having to hit cleanup. And I know Glaber had a couple hits on Sunday, but damn, were his at bats ugly on Friday and Saturday, particularly one on Friday. I actually made note of he was hitting cleanup and he comes up in the first inning was with first and third and he strikes out on three pitches. All of them were out of the strike zone, just a completely non-competitive at bat. And this is something that I actually praised Glaber for in the first half of the season. Like didn't really see a lot of those at bats where he just looked completely overmatched, completely lost, almost like he was deciding I'm going to swing at this pitch before the pitcher even enters his windup. But that's what I have been seeing recently from Glaber. And the fact that he's hitting cleanup makes it even more of, of a Well, problem. it goes back to the, to the reason he was struggling so much is he was he was trying too goddamn hard uh, to to be a productive player the, the last couple of years. And rather than just taking what's coming to him and staying with that same Cameron Maben approach, uh, middle of the field, that's that's when you start to see him, you know, flailing at balls, not not playing, you know, not having good at bats. He he's got to uh, kind of hone it back in, and and he's not he's not a uh, a cleanup guy by any means. He you know he should be nowhere near that that spot in the lineup. He's got to he's got to just basically move move the lineup along and and make sure that he's taking for you know what he's given. And sticking with that game on Friday night, what did you think of the decision to bring in Holmes in the eighth? And Boone had said after the game, Chapman was lined up to close if they had held on to. The hey game. now, hey now. Um, it, it goes. It, yeah. it goes. Well, actually, hold on. What did I say? Like a week and a half ago, didn't I say something about August eighth being, being like? If we're talking on August eighth, oh look, it's Monday, August eighth, and is Chapman the closer again? It doesn't. It is. It is uh, basically what he had said was going to happen. You know, if if there's a, an opportunity for um, for Holmes to come in and be that that fire extinguisher, the the meat of the lineup was coming up at that point. So I don't. I don't hate it. He just didn't execute. It, it, to me, if you have, if it, look, if Chapman's going well and he and he's been pitching much better lately, if if he's going well and you and he has the ability to pitch in the ninth inning, and Holmes, you know, in theory, just became a closer. It's not like he can't pitch anywhere else. He certainly can. Um, those guys could be interchangeable based on the matchup. I think that's actually good baseball. That's good baseball if you have two guys going well and you're able to get and you have a better matchup in the eighth inning with Holmes and the guys who are up than than you do Chapman. I got no problem with it. If that's if that's the way that they're going to do it, that means you have two guys who have the in theory the you know the um, the the mindset to close a game out. That's a good thing. Yeah, it was Goldschmidt, Arenado, and then but it ended up being Paul DeYoung who got the big hit, killed us off, all weekend. And Paul DeYoung's been a a one fifty hitter this season. Yeah. Okay, he's been a non factor offensively, and he murdered the Yankees this weekend. Yeah, he murdered the Yankees. I don't I don't know how a guy like that you know makes makes the Yankees pay as badly as he did but it wasn't good it was not good do you think the Yankees are losing confidence in Clay Holmes no i think that 
the, the, we throw the word confidence around way too loosely in, in losing it or, or gaining it, like way too loosely. The explain because, because when you have a few uh, bad outings, again, I think the guys in the room, the guys in the, in the dugout, in the, in the locker room are sitting there chalking it up as, you know, not just a bad outing, just a bad outing. They know what the guy is. They know what the guy will always be. This is exactly why Derek Jeter hit number one and two for his entire career. Because at some point he's going to turn it around. Right? That's the expectation. So I, I think that when you're when you're there, unless you see a sustained success uh, or sustained uh, failures, then you're you're really not going to do much. I mean, Chapman. It took for it, it took a, a good amount of of bad outings for for you know that to uh, to start imploding. So now you're saying Clay Holmes Derek is the Derek Jeter yes. of closers. Yes. Got yes. it. No, so. I guess when I ask you, are the Yankees losing confidence? What I'm really asking is, are you losing confidence in Clay Holmes? Like that feeling that you had when Clay Holmes walked into a game in the first half of the season, it, like you could, you could leave the room. You, you could put, you, you could, you could change the channel. That's how confident you were that he was going to lock it down. I mean, yeah. I no longer feel that. No, way. no, I don't feel the same way. Of course not. Cause he's hurt me. <laughs> Once you hurt me, then I, I have a little bit of doubt. He hadn't even, he hadn't done anything wrong for the first half, like nothing. So we hadn't seen literally anything besides him dominating. He, he had perfect innings every single time out almost. It was, it was unbelievable. So what we saw was, was not the norm. That, that's, that's the thing. Like the first half of the season was something that was just unreal uh, for multiple people, including the, you know, the team in, in, in general. But Clay Holmes was, was, as, as as close to perfect as you possibly can be. So there will be hiccups. That's baseball, Susan. There's going to be hiccups. So do I have the same confidence? Of course not, because I've seen him, I've seen him, uh, you know, get get knocked around. I've seen him lose location. I've seen him not be that same guy. So I still have confidence that he can come in and execute and be that guy in moments, no doubt. So, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a lack of confidence. I'm not I'm not rolling my eyes and be like, oh, here we go. You know, Clay Holmes is coming in. I'm not there by any means. What about Chapman? Are, have you gained confidence in Aroldis Chapman? He had another um, scoreless inning on Saturday. And I feel like the fact that he would have been the closer if the Yankees held on to the lead on Friday night, to me, says the Yankees have gained confidence in Aroldis Chapman. Like, there's no other way to explain it. He was, he was only, he was relegated to the sixth and seventh innings for, for a while. And, and, and now, Boone said he would have been the closer tonight. And I think there was a game last week, too, where uh, I think it was the game against Kansas City that Judge hit the walk-off. Chapman was going to be pitching in the 10th inning if um, well, Judge didn't hit Holmes that walk-off. Come in. We don't know if he was going to be pitching in there because it would have been a guy on second base, but there was a debate that you and I had. What, what that tells me, the biggest thing, is not that the Yankees have confidence, it's that Chapman has confidence in himself. Because if he doesn't have confidence in himself, that's when you see the bad Chapman happening. I mean, any pitcher, you start losing confidence in yourself, then you know you're not able to execute as well. It, it, it's a it's pretty important to to believe in what you're doing, and I don't think Chapman was all the way there. So what what I'm what I'm seeing now, and, and just hearing that that Boone was going to use him in the ninth inning, to me means that okay, Chapman's feeling good. Chapman's feeling confident. Chapman's feeling like he's got you know his mojo back. And to me, that's the biggest thing. If he believes that he can throw strikes and blow people away, you know, that that's that's you one of the bigger that's things. That's the biggest thing for 
Chapman, we talked about how we didn't think it was between the ears, and we poo pooed. That's the not whole a confidence thing. Like, oh, thing. That's, that's not. I a, can't pitch. The that's ninth not a between inning. the ears. That's or can only. That's not a mental inning. thing. That's confidence in your mechanics. That's what I mean. I mean confidence in your mechanics. He okay. feels confident in the way that he can execute. <laughs> confident in the. You know that that is what builds confidence. It's not like all of a sudden. You just you you can't pitch a different inning because your mind is like, oh my God, I don't know what it is. But it's also for his particular case, his mechanics were bad. They were just not, he wasn't repeating, you know, his good, his good delivery like he had in the past. And when he's out out of sync, it's it's a lot of bad things. And then yeah, and then your 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 mind gets uh uh you know leaked into with with a lot of doubt. And I think that the hearing that he's gonna be pitching sometimes in the ninth inning now, and he's got that, got that, uh, got that that flavor back in, in the way that he can do things, then yeah, to me, that that's saying more than anything that Chapman is confident in what he's doing and how he's pitching and how he's executing. You have an unbelievable ability to avoid answering the questions that I ask you. I asked you, do you have more confidence in Aroldis Chapman? And you just went on like a four-minute soliloquy about Chapman's confidence and the Yankees' confidence because Chapman has confidence again. What about you, Scott? If Chapman has confidence Endorse in it. himself... Then I have more confidence okay. in himself and him. Absolutely, because <laughs> you can see the body language says it all. If he's able to 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 be around the plate, then yes, Aroldis Chapman could be a very good pitcher. If he's not around the plate, if he doesn't have a uh, if his mechanics are not locked in, and he's not the guy that that we've seen for for years now, then no, I don't have confidence. But what I am seeing is a is a lot as a guy that's executing at a, at a much higher level is 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 becoming more confident in himself. And yes, that gives me a hell of a lot more confidence seeing a guy like that. So if you asked me three weeks ago, no, absolutely not. He looked like a mess. Three weeks later, he looks like a much more put together product out there that can execute in multiple different innings. One final question that I would like you to answer, honestly. We'll see if I answer it. What is your what is your confidence level one to ten on the Yankees holding on to a close lead? Entering the eighth inning, like it's a four to two game, or 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 a four to three game, the Yankees are up and we're going to the eighth inning. What is your confidence level that they close that out with a win? If if uh, if Holmes and Chapman are available, I'm not even going to put Chapman in this yet. But if if Holmes is available, I'm still I still think that they can. I'm still confident that they can do it. I know that they haven't been, but I'm not. I'm not sitting there are you like a eight. Are you an yeah, eight? Yeah, seven, 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 eight, because, seven, eight, I'd say. Okay. Because like in the first half of the season, when it was King and Holmes, I was a 9.5. No doubt. Exactly. Okay. And, and he, I think one of the bigger things here is that King isn't there to get the ball to the, to, to the ninth inning to Holmes. And if, if, if Holmes is going to be that guy to get the ball to the ninth inning, uh, if Chapman's pitching well, then, you know, you're reconstructing that bullpen a little bit to, to kind of what it was, if, if that's, if that's what he's trying to do. But you got to get the ball in the theory, night. In theory, they still have the arms to close out any close game. We just talked about Holmes and Chapman, but they just added Efros to the bullpen, who's had a really good season. Wandy Peralta has been an excellent pitcher this season, okay? And I know Marinaccio got sent down, but they have these other arms that you can also rely upon. But I'm sorry. I am no greater than a six confidence right now that they will close out any lead close and late because it, there's just there's, there's just been too many hiccups. And it's not just Holmes' hiccups, not putting this squarely on Holmes' shoulders, but the bullpen has just had too many blown games over the past month. 
that I, I can't be any any more confident than six. And I almost feel like six is too high. I'm like, a, it's a t- it's a coin flip. I'm a I'm a five. It's 50-50 pretty much. So it's because they they are they are still very thin towards the back of guys that you can try. Efros, I mean, I don't know how any. I just mentioned four names. Okay, you you mentioned four names, but those are very different four names than what we had in the beginning. I mean, Wandy Peralta is not a guy that I, I have. You know, he's coming in the ninth or the eighth inning to like, pass the ball. That that's not who I want. You have up to. against it. You have to but, though. But hold on, a you have no choice. Exactly, like, exactly. We have no choice. Have. That's that's not leading me to the to the comment. Efros, I don't know yet. I'm I'm reserving judgment still. Uh, but I haven't seen him as a guy that's dependable yet. Trevino, I, I feel like is is uh, you know a blow up outing waiting to happen. Still, I I'm not I'm not feeling it with him yet. And Loisaga, unfortunately, is still walking guys. You know, he came in yesterday. Walk, oh, I, I have zero confidence walking two in guys. Abreu still, you know, we know his stuff is there. He's pitching relatively well, but he's given up. He's given up. He, he, he I mean, him coming out for a second inning is probably too much. Uh, but he's still not all the way around the plate. If you're not if you're not around the plate and you're walking too many guys in your bullpen, then it's tough for me to have a ton you're of screwed. confidence. You're screwed. Walks are the worst thing for a bullpen. I I, I, I know that sounds silly. It's like, oh, how, how come hits aren't the worst? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Walks just completely take any air out of out of you know your sales to for use any cliche, for any right? pitching like staff guy, in general. Um, I mean, they had eight walks yesterday. The 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 bull, the, um, the pitching staff. Uh, on the day, eight walks. For whatever reason, and I don't know why this is. This is just one of those baseballisms. I feel like it's the eighth inning, and your eighth inning guy walks the leadoff batter versus gives up a, a solid single. For whatever reason, you feel worse about that. Yes, walk. you do, because the pitcher did that. You know, someone didn't beat you. You got you got beat yourself. You got played. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The numbers that we pulled back up these struggles because until June 18th this year, the Yankees were 14 and four in games decided by one run. And then since that date, they are seven and 11, 21 and 15 overall, 
but seven and eleven since June nineteenth, which also happens to be my birthday. So I hope I didn't, you know, jinx anything here. Seven and eleven in one run games since that date. That's bad. That's bad. That's why you, I don't know how you have any any confidence over over a five or even a six is generous right now. Yeah, it's fair. I'm just you know I'm way more optimistic I think than everybody. <laughs> that's that's the that's the thing. I get I get hurt. I get hurt a lot. Did you get hurt watching Monty pitch five scoreless innings against the Yankees? It was weird seeing him in a Cardinals uniform. I don't know why. It's you don't know like, why because Montgomery you've never seen him like, in any other uniform. That's why. That's exactly why. No, I know, but it's not like Montgomery's you know, going to be remembered as some great Yankee or anything like that. But it's still like, I kind of was just like, huh, yeah, like, I, I guess I'll kind of miss Montgomery now that he's gone. And I, I still stand by what I was saying on the last episode. I don't agree with the trade. I know Harrison Bader is supposed to be some def- elite defense defender like like we've never seen, right? Okay. I'm pretty sure Tim LaCastro made a freaking awesome play on a ball off the wall on Saturday to get it in like one hop, uh, just uh, did he barehand it or he fielded it so quickly off the wall? Perfect relay throw, and they get the runner at the plate. So, so how much better is Bader going to be than LaCastro in center field? That's my point. Well, I mean, I'm hoping the bat is there a little bit more than LaCastro. LaCastro is a negative bat, essentially. So he's he's a late inning defensive. I, I think that they're bringing in Bader to play center field, like straight up. I think that to take over yeah. Hicks, to, like Hicks is on the bench. Yeah, Fine. And, okay. and Hicks becomes a fourth outfielder so, at that point. He's been playing, you know, he's played left, he's played center, he could play right if you put him there. And Giancarlo's your sure. GH, and okay, fine. We'll see, though. I mean, like, don't talk right. to me about Harrison like, Bader until this guy's out of a friggin' walking boot and actually That's what I'm baseball. saying. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, he, seeing Montgomery out there was strange because Montgomery, who was drafted by the Yankees, came up through the Yankees. He's been a Yankee his entire career. And when you see the, the you know, he was part of that, he was part of that 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 team, and and you know, looking at him uh, as a Yankee on the on the bench too, like he was a he was a guy that was gelling very much with the team. He had good friends there, so seeing him out there, you know what it was. I was happy for him a little bit, to be honest, that he was pitching well because I I I, I hope he does well in St. Louis. I hope he has a phenomenal career for moving on because, um, you know, he's done nothing. <laughs> he's done nothing. Uh, nothing uh, wrong. He's 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 a good he's a good pitcher, um, and for whatever reason, Brian Cashman saw something in this other guy that is in a walking boot, and we'll find out in September, I guess. It's, it's, there's gonna be he better be fucking good. That's people, all I gotta say. This guy better be. Fucking there's gonna good. be some people big mad at Brian Cashman if Montgomery turns like continues to be a really solid middle of the rotation. Like, he's no going one ever to be. He's That's be what he one is. Number two. That's what he is. Like. He is then then that's silly. That's honestly just silly to give up a a solid number 3 pitcher for a center fielder that best case scenario it helps you next season. Like I I don't see how Bader upgrades you this season. He doesn't. He does not upgrade you this Again, season. More more of this has been talked about too uh you know and the move and Cashman has has even said some more things in interviews like they they just didn't see Montgomery as a guy getting a playoff start. And here's the the thing. Great. You, you can you can logically say, okay, because there are guys that that you know are of a similar ilk. But here's the difference. Montgomery has shown before that he can he can handle bigger situations. With our own eyes, we've seen it. We've seen this guy take the ball and you know give it innings, been good, been solid. So because of that, I need to see that with somebody else to believe it. 
As a fan, I need to see it to believe it. What you're saying on paper, okay, I, I can see that a little bit. I get it. You know, you do have Domingo Herman who pitched well. You have a guy like Clark Schmidt, who, who in theory is the next uh, is the next guy coming up from the minors who who could uh, you know be a starter in the rotation. I get it, but I don't see her right now. What's in front of me? That's the problem. I see Jordan Montgomery standing up in a on a hot, humid day in front of a packed. Biggest, biggest crowd out there in, in St. Louis shoving against the Yankees. And I see, and I don't see this other center fielder, Harrison Bader, who is in a walking boot. And that's the guy you traded for. So what we see and what we don't see right now is really not fun because it's right in front of us. And and that's that's part of the problem with this trade too. If Harrison Bader was out there playing, maybe it'd be a different story. Um, did you... Listen, the Wainwright did the interview with uh, the Fox broadcast. I actually thought he was like maybe the best in-game player interview I've ever seen. Like Wainwright just seems like a really fun guy. Um, and yeah, he did talk about how um, he thinks Bader is the best defensive center fielder in baseball, but he was really excited about getting Montgomery in the door. And I just feel like Wainwright is one of those veteran pitchers that, that just like will take Montgomery under his wing and you know maybe get a little bit more out of him um and, and honestly just like watching that broadcast and him talking about Montgomery and just like thinking more about the trade I I really hate it I really hate that trade and uh you're right we need to see something from Bader this season to have any any positive out of this trade because it, it it's Right now, it's a complete loss. Now. If Harrison Bader were to, if uh, if Aaron Hicks starts laying another egg, you know, over another uh, you know sample of thirty two at bats, thirty three at bats, and and that will time out relatively nicely for a September um, entrance of of a Harrison Bader. If he comes in and starts playing well when Hicks is is not playing well, we change our minds immediately. For real, like that. That's exactly what happens. If Aaron Hicks is not playing well, and that's part of what they saw. This guy, it, we're seeing things that we don't like on, you know, contract be damned, contract aside. We don't like what we're seeing on the field right now over this entire stretch. We're seeing things that we believe are are massive deficiencies in our center field spot. And then all of a sudden Harrison Bader comes in as a knight in shining armor and diving all over the damn place and and uh and and you know hitting hitting well enough, then we will all be like, okay, that's exactly what we needed right now. Because if you have a, a you know a, a fifth starter, fourth, fifth starter. In whether it's Montgomery or Domingo Herman or Clark Schmidt, kind of doesn't matter until you get to the playoffs, and then you know you're loading up your bullpen and and going with you know three to four guys. So it, we will all be okay if that if that is if that is what happens. But we we kind of do need that ha- need that to happen for us to feel good about it. Ken Rosenthal also said on that broadcast that center field was has been the worst defensive position for the Yankees according to the advanced metrics, and I, you know I. Thought Judge has been okay. Like maybe we should do an eye test versus nerd test on this coming up on Aaron Judge in center field because my eye test said Judge was pretty solid in center field, but I guess according to the metrics, center field has been a weakness for the Yankees, and that's that's what they were looking to address. And I don't know if that is honest or if that's Cashman trying to cover his ass a little bit with this Montgomery trade and sort of talking about how I still believe he was trying to make another deal for a starting pitcher. And then that didn't work out. And so now this is, well, no, this was our plan all along. We are upgrading our center field defense. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we could speculate about this all day long, but, um, he did acknowledge that, that they they were in with other trades, you know, so how they went down and when they went down and when they, you know, came off the table, that's, that's what we don't know. And, you know, what, what the timing was of, of, uh, of this trade versus the other ones that came off the, off the books. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, we, we already touched on the Sunday game, the Yankees, uh, you know, offense did show up, but, uh, the, the pitching was worse. Anything else you want to touch on from that game? I mean, I, I liked what they did against Wainwright, who's still a really good pitcher. They made him throw 111 pitches in four innings. It's just, I don't know, when Montes goes up there and, and gives up six runs in two innings, like, what are you going to do? No, the, the offense was not the problem on Sunday. Sunday they had 16 hits. So you, you got you to gotta be able to get out there and and execute and, and get some runs across the board. It's when you look at Saturday, even... Even you look at Saturday and you look at Friday and you look at what the lineup was, you know, you, you have on Saturday, Lo Castro in the lineup. He is, he's a negative bat. He's not a, I understand he's a good defensive player, but he's a, he's a, he's a late inning defensive replacement guy who can steal bases. That that's who he is. If Harrison Bader's a guy that can give you some, you know, better at bats throughout a game, like they still need to upgrade no matter what, uh, if that's the case, if, if they're thinking about running him out there. Um, but the offense is just very different when you have Rizzo and Stanton on the pine, very different. All right, we're going to do the top five games of the month, which might be a little difficult. This segment is brought to you by WinBet, which is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. They bring the excitement of the win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $50 and win $200 with code XBLUEWIRE. Download, bet, win. Go check it out. All right. So every month we've done top five games of the month. And every month we've had to like really work to narrow it down to five candidates. This month we had to work to find five (laughs) candidates. Okay. (laughs) Here's the five. July 16th against Boston. The offense exploded and Jameson had, uh, Jameson Tyon had six scoreless innings. Carpenter had seven RBIs in the game. The Yankees won 14 to 1. Great. That was right before the All-Star break, and the Yankees blew out the Red Sox. That's fun. July 17th, the very next day, I believe this was the Sunday before the All-Star break. The offense was great again, and Garrett Cole struck out 12 Red Sox. I believe this is when we started to realize that the Red Sox season was done, right? Like this was the moment where we're like, oh, the this Red is Sox. A trash suck. Team. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh July 24th against Baltimore. Nestor Cortez, six shutout innings. Judge hit a two-run homer. Yankees won six to nothing. Not going to lie. I don't have a freaking clue about this game. I don't remember it one bit. July 28th against Kansas City. I do remember this game. One to nothing win on Judge walk-off home run. I remember that game. July 29th, the next day. I remember this game as well. The Yankees lost the lead after Cole, I believe, gave up five straight hits in the fifth inning, but the offense came alive late. Judge hit a grand slam, and the Yankees ended up winning 11-5. to In my mind, it's one of the Kansas City games, um, frankly, because the other two were against Suck Boston, and then Baltimore like couldn't... I don't even believe that game happened. Sorry. Uh, to me, when you're looking at this, it's got to be the first one. Uh, I know Cole had 12 strikeouts in uh, in in the, the second game against Boston that's on this list. But um, Jamison, Tyone having six scoreless, and then Matt Carpenter with seven RBIs. That's a fun game. 
Matt Carpenter with seven RBIs to me is a fun time. That's especially when you're you're in uh, you know in, you're playing Boston and and he's the one that's that's powering you through with the rest of the uh, the Yankees explosion. I love that. It felt like even with Cole the next day, it's like he's throwing to to like lukewarm bodies uh, with twelve strikeouts at that point. So yeah. I'm going with the Matt Carpenter seven RBI game against the Red Sox, which really set the tone for for Garrett Cole the next day. Wow. Okay. I, I was going to pick pick the July 28th Judge walk off home run. Yankees win one to nothing just because it's Aaron Judge. It's Aaron Judge's season. We're all that's an entire watching. game of zero zero, um, right? Oh, I know. It, against the, the Royals, against did nothing. Kansas City Royals. <laughs> I'm well aware, but but it was Aaron Judge hitting a walk off home run, and that's fun. Um, I think I I think if I'm not mistaken, Judge hit a home run in all five of these games. Which <laughs> that does not surprise me. I I think maybe the 16th, the first game against the Red Sox. Funny enough, he might have not. That was the one that Carpenter hit two. Uh, hold on, I have it right here. The no, the second game against the Red Sox, he didn't hit a home run. He had uh, he went two for three with only one RBI. Tough day for loser. Judge. So, yeah, so yeah. what are, what are you picking, Logan? Do you? Uh... I mean, I definitely had it between those two when I did it. Um, I'm not gonna lie; I thought that the range was a little bit higher when we were picking games, and I was like, "Oh, like the July like fifth game against the Red Sox was also good." And I was like, "We already did those games, so those, those were fun." Games. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I definitely leaned the Carpenter seven RBI two home run game just because it was so much yeah. fun to watch, and right. the Red Sox was still alive at that point, so it was kind of you know it was like, wow. These guys, I mean, I was, you know, when you look at the, you know, not to get back into, you know, sad Yankee stuff, but when you look at the one differential over the past month, it's pretty good. And everybody's like, well, this doesn't happen. You know, the Yankees have a plus 21 differential in the last month, but their record stinks. And it's because of these two games against the Red Sox. Yeah. They, they won 14 to 1 and 13 to 2, and it skewed everything. And now, you know what I mean? So I, I think I think it's the July 16th against Boston. Yeah, you made the point in the notes that if you take out those two games against the Red Sox, their run differential is actually minus four. Yeah, that's crazy. So the the blowouts certainly skewed things. And it's like, we have to understand the context here. Like, the Red Sox are a bad team, okay? They blew out a bad team. They didn't blow out the Houston Astros. So, so I, I think it's fair to even throw out those two blowout wins and look at the fact that over this last month, the Yankees' run differential is minus when, four. When you look at July, I'm looking at the schedule right now, just to looking back at individual games, just to you know jog my memory again. Houston, they they obviously uh, got they lost both of those games, lost the double, and hitter. then the other team that's good are the Mets, lost both of those games. Everybody else in there, Cleveland, they won the series, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, split Boston, Cincinnati. Baltimore, you're just when they played tough competition, they're not playoff they teams that they're beating. They, they've they're lost for a lot of playoff teams. Yeah, and even if you go back into June, they lost to Houston. Uh, um, they split at home against Houston, but then they lost the one game in Houston. So they've lost to a lot of playoff teams. They have not been able to beat the teams that they're going to have to beat in the playoffs. They beat the Twins. Took that series. They always beat the Twins, and they will never not beat the Twins. No, it's weird, though, because they, like, um, they they started the season, and they, like, last year they struggled so bad against AL East opponents, and this year it's been quite the opposite. I mean, they beat the Rays, they beat the Blue Jays, they beat the Red Sox, they've beaten the Orioles, they have a really good in-division record. It's everybody else, which in years past, it was 
literally the opposite way. Like even last year, Boone talked about it. Like they they played well against the Astros all season long at home and even in they they almost swept as we love to talk about that series last year going into the All Star break in in Houston. So kind of just like what does it really matter at the end of it? I mean, like, do we want to see them play good teams? Yeah, I just kind of see it as a market correction because they were so good against those teams. And that's the biggest. Good, that's the know? biggest thing. You're not going to win. I, I think game. that that we're gonna we're gonna really find out a lot about this team. This is like this is like in 2016. Remember how we had uh, the, oh, this is the pivotal one. This is the pivotal stretch. This is the make or break break stretch. That you know after the All Star break, you you seem to have uh, them them come every other week. But you know when they obviously they're in Seattle. Tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday, day off Thursday, go into Boston on Friday, Saturday. I'll be at that game actually in Boston on Saturday night. Um, and then they have they come back home for a big stretch. They have Tampa for three days, Toronto for four, and then the Mets. And and that that stretch at home is a to me, a pivotal stretch right there. You, you got to get back to playing good baseball at home. You got to get back to winning these series at home. And uh, you know, in division opponent, uh, in division opponents and the Mets, which Took the two, like you got to beat, you got to beat those, you got to win those series. You got to win those series. You got to take it to the the Mets, I think, at home there, um, and then you go back out to the to the West Coast. So, it's it's a you know the the middle of this month is a is a good tone setter, I think, for the way that they're going to finish out the season. So to wrap up this segment, we also have to decide if this game is going to take the crown no. over the current season winner which is the Judge and Stanton three-run homer game against the Blue Jays when Judge hit the walk-off bomb. And no, it is not going to take the crown because we're all going to forget about this game in five minutes. And the, the month of July has then has now been erased from our memory. Let's move forward. Poof. Men in black, mind eraser. All right, we got a few mailbag questions. Scott, if you want to fire through some of these. All right, this one is a DM from Derek Jeter's son. He's grown up and been learned oh, how to DM people. Thought he had three daughters. And, and he, he has a illegitimate kid that is claiming to be legitimate. Um, hey, guys. Love the pod. Mailbag question here. I know Rosa Chapman is back from injury, but with League seemingly discovering the cutter, uh, which includes some of our own arms, why do you think the Yankees have not tried to develop a cutter for him? His slider is dead. I know he's already wild, but the cutter has been a magic pitch for others and can't get much worse than at this point. Thanks, guys. This was this was July 26th, so this was actually a little bit ago. Um, I would say that any pitch that is has more movement going side to side for Araldus Chapman is dangerous. <laughs> Not only for the catching situation, but for opponent, opponent batters and Yankees late in games. I think that him trying to control a pitch that goes side to side more so is uh is is a it's going to be a, a tough task for the way that he throws. So that's why I believe that he is not throwing that pitch. I also think it's really hard to start developing a pitch in the middle of a season, and also in the middle of a season where you're just trying to get yeah. right and and get back to being an effective. He's also not going to be on the team uh, next year. Developing, <laughs> developing that's true. Developing new pitches is something you do in December and January. And then you play around with it in spring training, and, and then you get it going for the for the season. You don't do it on August eighth when you're trying when you're you trying one to just contribute. At the end of the game in a close game, very very difficult. And again, the side to side action for Rawls Chapman dangerous, very dangerous. That ball might end up in a dugout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean his slider has been really bad this season. It's just been a hanger a lot of times. 
we saw him have like a decently effective slider for a couple seasons where it did have good tilt and 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 he actually buried it a lot of a lot of times and and I feel like it was a brief renaissance that he had as a two-pitch pitcher but but he really just needs to focus on locating his fastball and I I still think if he can locate his fastball effectively he'll be a good pitcher if you can locate your fastball that's when the slider will play whether it's good or not you know that that's what we had talked about it wasn't a great slider it never was a great slider it was the fact that it was different it was an okay slider it was fine. for a little bit it was bit. fine it was good enough because he was able to locate the fastball. Everything, everything, everything yeah. for most pitchers, but especially Araldis Chapman, revolves around locating the fastball. If he cannot locate the fastball, I don't give a shit what he has. He could have 19 pitches. He didn't get anybody out because he can't establish the strike. And he can't establish the strike zone. And that's not a good thing for him. All right, move on to the next one from Jacob Page. Um, <laughs> while, while I fully expect the Yankees to keep him a starter, I often felt Severino could be a key startup uh, a key setup man for the Yankees in the postseason. Do you do either of you feel this could be an option out of, uh, out of the box given Sevy's latest injury that will keep him out to September? Could a Cole Montos, Nestor, ooh, this was uh, could that be good enough to win a World Series in the bullpen of Holmes, Lowe, Sevy, Chapman, Marinaccio, etc.? This was before Monty got traded, and Monty was in this uh, in his thing. So no, because Monty is now gone. Severino is, de- they're definitely expecting Severino to come back and contribute in the starting rotation. But could he? Yes, he's done it before. I've, we've seen him do it before. Um, but I think they need him right now much more in the starting rotation. Uh, another risk, not to keep harping on this Montgomery trade, but another risk is that Severino comes back and he can't be a starter. That he really can only be effective and only pitch it out of the bullpen because of his injury this season. Like that is also a possibility and feels like that they aren't playing for that possibility. So at this point with with Montas here, it would have been between Tyone and Montgomery, right? For for a for, as a yeah. fourth starter. I mean, yep. Is there really do you, do you have more or less confidence in one of Tyone even last year, went through a, a middle-of-the-year struggle and came back very strong. And, st- you know, looking at him pitching, um, pitching okay again, like, to me, there's not much of a difference between Tyone and Montgomery, to be honest. It, it, I, I think over a large sample size, no. But a lot of it will depend on recent performance out of Tyone because we've seen him go through such streaky stretches, right? The first two months of the season, he was better, clearly better than Montgomery. The next two months of the season or the next month and a half, he's been far, far worse. So what what Jamison Tyon are we getting? Because yes, he could go out there and pitch six innings and only give up a run, but he could also give up three home runs through two innings. He could. But at the same time, we're looking at, again, going back to this, I keep going back to this trade, looking for all of the uh, the greener pastures here. But for that fourth starter, you're looking at an option between Jamison Tyone, Clark Schmidt, and Domingo Herman. Clark Schmidt's not even entering the conversation right now, but you know maybe he could be towards the end of the season if he's stretched out. But you're looking at you're looking at those guys, and that's when you have an option to uh, you know look at Montgomery and be good. All right, guys, thanks for the mailbags. Just lost Andrew in his uh, Cape Cod in his Cape Cod vacation house with with uh, with some with some crappy internet. Uh, we're gonna close it out for 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 today 
Look, we got to stretch. Logan, what is your confidence level on on this this next stretch that we have coming up? Obviously, they are going to be playing some late games in Seattle starting tonight and then Boston uh, to finish out the road trip. What are your thoughts? Where, where's your confidence level uh, to end it? Let's 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 end on on a high note, maybe. I mean, I'm 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 always optimistic. So there we go. I, I you know I think you know Seattle. I mean, they do they typically play well in Seattle. I just I feel like they do. I mean, I know Seattle's a good team this year. Um, Doesn't Aaron Judge have the the record record for the yeah. longest home run in Seattle? He yeah, hit some moonshots. So I just think of last uh, year. of a uh, Ruko's call when he was yeah. a rookie. Um, and you know Boston, like we said, Boston Boston's a fifth place team. Um, but you know going to Fenway Park. Does I'm never confident, never 100 confident. So you know if they could just survive this trip and then get home, they like you said they have that big home stand before they go back out to the West Coast, which is just such a weird scheduling thing. You know I really think they're just going to try and survive this road trip. You know hopefully you you know if you split in Boston and and hopefully win two out of three in Seattle because that's what you need right now. But you know they don't they don't care about these games. It's August, so. I, I hope they I hope they start caring about the games. If if anything else, just to get back into a good groove because that is what is needed. I will be um, probably drinking a few a few right behind uh, the the Boston bullpen. So I will do my part and and heckle the living shit out of those guys as much as humanly possible. Uh, but we'll talk to you guys later in the week. Have a good rest of the week. Go Yankees. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.